Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this privilege of gathering together as family this morning. Thank you for truth that sets us free, Father. Thank you for giving us moments in time like this to celebrate the one that matters most to us, your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, it's a privilege to be here this morning, fellowshipping together this way, breaking the very bread of life together so that we might dine uh, and be filled up uh, with the word of truth, Father. May we never become familiar with everything that you've ordained to make a moment like this happen for us. We know the world. We know that our enemies hate it, Father, literally hate it. But we know through faith and through goodness and through trial and tribulation, Father, we will persevere and continue to press on, Father. We do pray for those in the congregation that are ill, that can't be with us for a variety of reasons, even. Our spirit goes out to them. We long for them, for their fellowship as well, Father. We want them to know this. We pray also for those that are still lost in this world, Father, without hope, that they be humbled and receive saving faith before it's too late, Father. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, today's message title is, Please Don't Feel Lonely, Disconnected, and Depressed. Obviously, this morning is a special message. Um, I wanted to say that it's long overdue, but I can't because God's timing is perfect. And to say so would imply it isn't. Um, maybe it's better to say that from my perspective the content of this message is something I've been anxiously awaiting uh, to be given. As always, God worked um, a few things out in my soul this past week when I was away on vacation. Um, it's honestly, when I think about weeks like this past one when I'm away from the congregation, um, one of the benefits, it's, it's one of the benefits to you that I take, or it's a benefit to you that I take this time off, not just me. Um, and that just as a side note, and I've shared this with the leadership team, at some point, I don't know when, at some point I'm going to take a sabbatical, uh, which means a long-term uh, break. I've been at this for over 10 years. Um, most pastors... Uh, take sabbaticals at some point because of the nature of the job. Um, I've thought about it. I brought it up with the, with the leadership team in the past. It just hasn't been the right timing. But at some point, um, I'm going to have to do that thing. Um, so just know that. But for now, 
presumably he'll use times like this past week to open my eyes to certain things. Um, often painful ones, to be honest. Um, this past week he opened my eyes in my Can we kill this one, guys? He opened my eyes and my heart to something that affects even more loved ones than I suspected. Is the one in the back on? Thank you. Is that one in the back still on? Yes. All right, good. So he used this past week to open my eyes to certain things, um, often painful things. And um, he opened my eyes and my heart to something that affects even more loved ones than um, I suspected, again, loneliness. Loneliness. Now, I could attempt to psychoanalyze the tar out of why anyone that Jesus loves so much would ever feel lonely. But the Spirit has said no to that. Why? Maybe it's because people like you are lonely for a variety of different reasons. Maybe it's better for us as a congregation to simply accept certain things about ourselves and see what the Holy Spirit does with each of us as individuals. For example, a person could feel lonely because they spend most of their time alone. <laughs> um, maybe they're a single person who lives alone uh, and God's ordained that very situation. Here's the interesting thing that I've learned about loneliness that is somewhat startling. Because we can all understand that first case, right? But the startling thing about loneliness is that no one's immune to it. Even if they live in a house with 20 other humans. A person could be standing in a crowd and feel totally alone. A person could be huddled on a couch with folks that love and adore them completely, and they could feel totally alone. A person could know in their heart that our Lord has said, Hebrews 13:5, I'll read it. Part B, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A person could know in their heart that the good Lord said that. I will never leave you nor forsake you. A person could know that this is true, and yet still they suffer from bouts of loneliness. And... My heart is broken. Broken. 
some truly amazing people have told me that they feel alone most days. These are people I hold up in the highest esteem. People who, when I think of them, are inspirational. And so I say, how can this be? How can this person feel lonely like that? I mean, I, and I get kind of, you know, whatever, and I say, I mean, my love alone for this person should be enough to convince them that they aren't alone. Not to mention all the others I know who love and adore the, these people. And I think it's fair that we all know individuals like this, if they're not ourselves in that moment. Lonely, detached, depressed even. These words are like synonyms to the person who feels this way. Beyond that lay even more painful things, like despair, distress, and even shame, as if, you know, feeling alone um, is something to be ashamed of. Like, how dare I feel alone when Jesus loves me? So there's a whole complex of things that goes on. Um, Whatever the reason may be, this loneliness, as we'll call it this morning, is real. And it's, in many ways, not always, as we'll discover, it's heartbreaking to think about. The folks who have shared such emotions with me are, as I stated earlier, some of the most amazing people I've ever known. Most of them are literally at the top of my list of favorite people. Literally. So not only is my heart broken over this, it's, it, it can be confusing in many ways. Confusing not because it's somehow wrong. Because I've learned that people can't help the way they feel. I mean, I used the, the basic example of, why don't you like vanilla ice cream? I don't like it. I don't know. I can't help the way I feel. I don't like vanilla ice cream. You can't shake it into somebody. People can't help the way they feel. And so it's not wrong to have feelings of loneliness. Um, strictly speaking, we'll get back to this. We'll give this some color. But concentrate here. When you think about it, this loneliness is what is expected as a normal response to the, to the types of stimuli we face in this world. Loneliness is what is expected as a normal response to the types of stimuli we face in this world. 
As the Spirit gets us all thinking about this, I believe it'll help us understand why any of us can sometimes feel lonely, detached, or even depressed. Even depressed. And for the record, I don't want this message to be, you know, one of those, geez, what's wrong with you? I mean, you know, why are you feeling like this? Jesus loves you for crying out loud. I don't want that to be this message. It's not meant to be that. So please receive this message as an act of kindness from Jesus himself. Jesus loves you. And he's got me delivering this message as proof of definite empathy that exists for you in this world. You know, Jesus isn't offended by your loneliness. I mean, in some ways he could be, right? He'd be like, hey, I love you. (laughs) How could you be lonely? I'm always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're mine. I tend to you. You're my sheep. In some ways he could be offended, but I don't believe he is. He's saying through this pulpit now, let's just spend some time together on this. Let's just spend some time together on this. First, he says, I know your loneliness. And for the record, I understand it. My own life was wrought with it. Though I never gave in to the temptations that lead a person astray from the faith. I mean, if anyone was to feel lonely on this earth, it was the perfect one. He had no peers. He was peerless. So he understands. Uh, But the distinction, I suppose, between he and the rest of us is that he never gave in to the temptation that leads a person astray from the faith. And I believe that's the key point for us to think about. What we need, or we need to draw the distinction between feelings of loneliness and loss of faith. Go to Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. We need to draw the distinction between feelings of loneliness and a loss of faith. Hebrews 4.15. That's the distinction, my loved ones. A distinction between feelings of loneliness and a loss of faith. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable 
to sympathize with our weaknesses, speaking of Jesus, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what Jesus depended on, was the grace of God. And who was, who had a right, I suppose, to be lonelier than him. And yet he never was tempted to the point of failure, where his faith even wavered. And that's that distinction. In all fairness to Jesus, again, if anyone had reason to feel alone, it was him. His cup was filled with poison that we all put there through our own sin. Not even his own. What did he do when he needed to be recharged? What did he do? The same thing as Brother James suggested we do. James 5.13 Is anyone among you suffering? Anyone? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Somehow, we, in our own lowliness, need to tap into whatever perspective Jesus had that allowed him to be tempted but not fail. It seems Jesus fought his own looming loneliness with intimacy with his Father in heaven. In other words, he prayed. He prayed. This is where God can illuminate a depressed soul. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. This is where God can illuminate a depressed soul. Second Corinthians four, verse six. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I want you to focus on that phrase, jars of clay. 
And this is a reference to cheap, expendable jars that we used during Paul's time for simple storage. You can almost imagine it. Just a jar of clay. Nothing fancy. Just a jar made of clay. And it was even often used for human excrement, human waste. That's what Paul thinks of this. We are but jars of clay. As I alluded to earlier, I think something as potentially debilitating as feeling lonely is a normal response to what we are. I mean, if we're compared to a jar that holds human waste, I mean, there's a certain repulsion to it, right? We're not going to feel especially sociable if we understand this about ourselves. To the contrary, we're going to think very lowly of ourselves, even lonely. For who wants to spend time with us jars of clay that holds unmentionables? Again, I don't, I don't want to spend our time this morning psychoanalyzing loneliness. That's not the intent. The Spirit just wants me to put a few things on the table before us all for our examination. For example, again, that we are jars of clay. So concentrate. The, you know, quote-unquote, the secret to our deliverance from our natural lowly estate is the same one that delivers us from loneliness. It's the same one. Paul uses the jars of clay analogy as the backdrop for it. And we find it in Holy Scripture. Look at verse 7 again. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's the backdrop. For what reason? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So I think, I think the first lesson for all of us, and this is the one that I learned not so long ago, is that it's okay to feel lonely once in a while. Okay? It's okay to feel lonely once in a while. In fact, it's perfectly normal. Given who we are, given our condition, given what we've got to go through, it's okay. Lonely, by definition, simply means to be alone, if you look it up. Is loneliness a sin, though, strictly speaking? Not that I can tell from Holy Scripture. Not that I can tell. 
Rather, it's like a lot of emotions we might feel in our lives. I mean, it's definitely real. And it indicates something in us is worth praying about. Certainly is impetus for something. It indicates something that's real in us. As in, you know, God allows our loneliness to draw us to himself. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, feeling lonely um, is one of the ways that he draws us to himself. How could that ever be bad? So in this way, loneliness isn't intrinsically bad. I think the world has lied to all of us and has got us to purchase a lie that loneliness is always bad. If you're alone or you're lonely, it's bad. What did you do? Why are you not surrounded with Whatever. Why are you alone? Why are you lonely? Loneliness isn't intrinsically bad. Concentrate. You ready? It's the temptation to be overcome by it that leads to sin. It's the temptation to be overcome by it that leads to sin. That's the bad fruit of loneliness. That's the bad fruit of loneliness. But not all the fruit is bad. Do you understand? Recall the last time I stood behind this pulpit, I gave you Romans 14, 23, part B, which reads... For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In other words, how does your faith relate to your loneliness? And what does one do to each other? One does, what does one do to the other? Loneliness, listen, loneliness in the absence of faith is no longer useful to God the way it was originally intended. Loneliness in the absence of faith is no longer useful to God the way it was originally intended. In other words, Can we just take the idea of loneliness as a thought? Loneliness is a sin. Can we just take that off the table? Just take it like this and go, nope. This is loneliness. Take it off the table. It's not a sin. Loneliness as a sin. Just take it off the table. If you're lonely... We've all been there, if not currently. It's likely one of two things. 
Either it's a wake-up call to get you reoriented to truth, or God's got you where he wants you so that he can work something out in you. Or maybe even through you. I mean, I'm thinking of Jesus sweating blood in uh, Luke 22:44 in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, think about how lonely it was in that moment. So much pressure, so alone. The weight of the sin of the world is coming to him. He knows it. He senses it. He knows he's the only one born to die. So much pressure, he sweat blood. How's that for a loan? How's that for cause for loneliness? And who did he reach out to? What was he doing? He was praying. Under all that pressure, he was praying. With all that loneliness on his shoulders, ugh. With all of that, he prayed. Any of you are suffering, let him pray. So I had a key point up here on the board. You'll have to imagine it. Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. For example, I wonder if Jonah got lonely in the belly of the fish. I wonder. I wonder if Moses ever got lonely, given his own people often rejected him. I wonder if the people Israel ever got lonely, being in exile for years, wanderers, as a people. I wonder if John the Baptist ever got lonely in his ministry. I wonder if Paul ever got lonely, given his. I wonder if Jesus ever got lonely. As I mentioned at the start of this message, the very best of us have all been lonely. But again, the key point, loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. Again, where are you at? You're not in 2 Corinthians 4, are you? Oh, you are? All right, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Loneliness has a utility utility to it. As long as it doesn't fracture your faith. 
You're expected to be lonely. Part A of verse 7. It drives you to loneliness at times. Part B is the remedy. Part B is where the faith comes in. Do you believe it? That God has the power to sustain you? That His grace is sufficient for you? That His surpassing power belongs to God, not to you? Do you believe that? It's interesting that this pandemic we're in has pressed some people into even deeper loneliness. Even deeper loneliness. And yet, what's the Spirit been saying all along from this pulpit? It's just a test. It's just a test. Loneliness is a test. Loneliness is a test. Where does it drive you? Does your faith take you back to Him? Or does it drive you somewhere else? Do you bear good fruit of that loneliness or bad fruit? Because the distinction is in your faith. Where do you turn? Who do you turn to when you're lonely? Who did Jesus turn to? Who should you turn to? Here's some encouragement from Paul. Look at verse 8. Same passage. Same passage. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. You see the difference? It's okay to be perplexed. It's okay to be afflicted. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So reflect on this for a moment. I guess now's a good time to (laughs) ask you to think about something important here. If you've been struggling with feelings of loneliness. What might God be trying to do in you? If you've been struggling with feelings of loneliness, what might God be trying to do in you? As we noted in James 5.13, is... Anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. I have no idea what the good Lord might reveal to you. It's not my business. But I do know that it requires faith and prayer to get your answers. That I know. 
That I can teach you. So maybe, maybe that's my personal encouragement to you this morning. Um, pray. And when you're done, pray some more. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. That's my personal encouragement to you. First Thessalonians five, verse sixteen. Rejoice always. Verse seventeen says what? Pray how? Without ceasing. There you go. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Say thank you, Lord. You ready for this one? Thank you, Lord, for giving me loneliness. Thank you for this moment, this time of reflection, this thing that you can use to your glory, this thing that draws me back to you. Thank you, and thank you for the faith required to do so, because I know you've given it all to me. In my flesh, I would have run away. I would have sought out other solutions, other people, other fixes, develop new addictions. I would have done all of that in my flesh, but not with you, Lord. Not with you. You bring me back. You use this thing. You knew I'd be here. You love me, and you draw me back to you. Even in loneliness. So, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray that He reveals to you the purpose. Are you listening? Pray that He reveals to you the purpose of your loneliness. Pray that he reveals to you the purpose of your loneliness. And keep on reading the word of God. You will be encouraged. Go to Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. All I can tell you is there's a purpose for it. The kingdom of darkness is going to lie to you and say there is no purpose in it other than to make you feel bad. And oh boy, I can, I can give you your next fix. Are you on it? That's the kingdom of darkness. That's the failure side of this equation. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How about that? How about 
Psalm 27, verse 10. Psalm 27, verse 10. How about that for truth that sets you free? I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 27, verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. The Lord will take me in. When all else has failed, the Lord will take me in. How about Psalm 23, verse 1? Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just a point of review now. One key point. Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. Therefore, loneliness is a test. It's a test of what? Your faith. Loneliness is just a test. There's nothing wrong with you if you're feeling lonely. Some of you who suffer from this are like, <laughs> I don't want to be tested anymore. Uh, I'm distraught here. I've been doing this lonely thing long enough. Can't you see? I don't want to be tested anymore. Back in my head right now, it's like, who are you, old Clay? Right? To question the potter. Nonetheless, please hear what the Spirit's saying to you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to you. A good father doesn't want to crush his children, nor does his spirit. Colossians 3.21 reads, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. We've got a perfect father in heaven. His interest is in not, it's not in crushing us. It's to draw us back to himself. For some of you, and if you're really honest, 
For some of you, loneliness is the only way to get you back to him. Because you might specialize in preoccupying yourself with unholy things or unholy people. You choose your poison. But what I know from Holy Scripture and what you should know from Holy Scripture is that we have a perfect father and he's not interested in exasperating his children. He doesn't want you to lose heart. Does he want to indicate something to you? Sure. As we learned earlier, loneliness is indicative of something. Does he want to draw whatever that thing is in you out? Of course, apparently so. And apparently you need it. That's the point. But he doesn't want to crush you. He doesn't want you to lose heart. He doesn't want you to cross that line and lose faith. To where now you're desperate. So, I beg you not to become discouraged right now. I understand you're lonely and depressed detached even at times. And it means you really don't want to spend a whole lot of time with anyone, really. I get it. I do. I can't, I can't say that I understand what you're going through personally, um, only that I've been there myself. But you know what? God knows the purpose for everything under the sun. That I know. God knows the purpose for everything under the sun. And he's ordained this moment in time for you. So please don't miss it, I beg you. Please don't miss it. Please don't dismiss it. Please don't be thinking about your next mistake. Please don't. He's ordained this moment in time for you and all the loneliness that's in tow. The point is, the encouragement is, use this moment then. This is your moment. Maybe it's not glorious. Maybe you don't have a trophy and not, you know, this is your moment. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's not some big quote unquote victory the way the world would depict it. But nonetheless, this is your moment. Use it. Take advantage of this time in your life the way you would when, I don't know, pleasurable things are going on. Take advantage of it. But please, just don't fall prey to the temptation to become depressed or dejected. Those are the signs of a fracture of your faith. Kind of like a good visual might be, you know, if you've been riding a horse for 20 miles, your butt's sore, right? but you stay in the saddle. 
right? But if you fall out, you fall on the ground, I mean, you know, you're out of the saddle, it's all bets are off. It's just stay in the saddle. Just don't fall prey to temptation. Don't be depressed or dejected. Those are the signs of a fracture in your faith. And that's when you need to go to him and pray. Because that vessel, you know, that jar of clay, it's cracked. It's leaking. You need to go to him. We just read that. He restores the soul. Do you understand? That fracture of your faith, that is exactly what Satan in the kingdom of darkness want. To use something as, it's fair to use the word practical, with as much purpose as loneliness, to use it for evil. Instead of it being a glorious time of bringing you back to Him, because as I alluded to earlier, without any hesitation or apology, for some of you that's the only thing that will work. Because you're just a series of bad decisions, a series of dysfunction junction, and you keep going back and back and back. And the only thing that will work for some of us is something called loneliness to bring us back to Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, right? Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in everything. Satan, the king of darkness, wants your faith to fracture. And I was thinking about that, you know, because it's like a fork, you understand? You know, with loneliness, you just kind of stand at a fork in the road. There's two different ways. You know, one situation, there's always this dichotomy in life. One situation, two paths. It's always like a fork. What do I do in this situation? I find myself, I'm feeling lonely. <sighs> two options. You know, when this happens, you know, God is saying, plan A, let's do this thing. I can use this. I can bring you back to me. I can refresh you. I can restore you. I can grace you out. I can remind you that I love you. I can deliver you. Awesome. And then the kingdom of darkness, plan B, says, oh no, this is hopeless. You should throw in the towel, lose faith, Curse God and die. Sounds like Job's wife, right? You should just curse God and die. I believe what the Spirit's saying here is twofold. Loneliness is real, and there's nothing wrong with you if you're suffering from it. It happens. Okay? Don't buy the lie that only exacerbates your current situation. That now there's something wrong with you because you're lonely. And then number two, use it. Use it. 
Again, am I trying to give you a solution because that's what, you know, engineering minds like mine do? No, it's not. I'm not trying to solve your problem. I'm not trying to be the solution maker. I'm simply like, he's got me just sort of clearing the air, if that makes sense. Just clearing the air of all the fiery darts that the kingdom of darkness has been pelting you with. That's all he's got me doing, just clearing the air of all the lies, of all the fiery darts. You know, the little, the little whispers, you know those things, right? The little whispers from the world that go a little bit like this. I had a slide, but that's cool. Satanic whispers and fiery darts. Here's, here's, here's what the whispers can often sound like. And some of you are going to be like, yep, yep. I hear that one daily. Little whispers. And you know what I mean. You know exactly what I mean. Just the right comment from just the right person. Just the right situation at just the right time. Those are fiery darts. If it's not glorifying God, then it's against him. So here are just some that I wrote down on paper. Satanic whispers and fiery darts might go something like this. You're lonely, detached, depressed, because you deserve to be. Well, there's a big fat lie. You deserve to be. Um, you're lonely, you're detached, depressed, because you're weird and unrelatable to others. Or that's what it means to be a Christian. Or you blew your chances for happiness a long time ago. There's a favorite lie. Those are all lies. They capitalize on something that could be beautiful, something to be used to God's glory, given the right insertion of faith. Loneliness brings you back to Him in that fork in the road. You're not worthy of going down plan A. You go down plan B. Plan A is for the goody two-shoes. Plan A's for the, the people who aren't weird. Plan A's for the people who haven't screwed it up their whole lives. Those are all lies from your enemies. Meant to exacerbate you. Meant to break you down. Do you see a common thread with this kind of thinking? I do. It's called hatred. Liars are haters. It's called hatred. I know that my enemies hate me, and your enemies hate you. And fiery darts from our enemies are intended to fracture our faith. They're intended to fracture our faith. Let me say that again, and please listen up. Fiery darts from our enemies are intended to fracture our faith. That's why it's the oldest 
game in the book. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, right? The woman said, I have faith in my husband. I have faith in God. They're both telling me the same thing. Do not eat from that tree. What did Satan do? He slivered in and just sowed a little doubt. But did he say fracture? You see? Splinter. That's how it starts. Let me just find a loophole. Let me, you know, let me take advantage of you. Be careful if you're in a lonely, low place, because that's when Satan comes in and tries to take advantage of you. Says you, oh, I, I notice, I notice so and so is weak right now. I'm gonna sliver in like a serpent. I'm gonna send an unbeliever with pretty eyelashes in. Or in the other direction. I don't know what the hell. Whatever. Right? Whatever. I'm gonna send in a serpent because you're you're pressed down, you see. And it's gonna sow discord in your soul. And it's gonna just enough splinter. I'll just put a little splinter and then I'll walk away. Hey, hey, no, 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 no. Didn't mean anything by it. Next day they come along, take out a little hammer. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, no, no. Next day, ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, I didn't mean nothing by it. No, nothing. Sorry. Sorry about that. You just go along your day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's how it works. Starts off as one little thing, one little seed of doubt. And then the kingdom of darkness comes along and waters it. Yeah, you, yeah, you could probably get it. You, yeah. Why are you lonely? Give me a hint. Oh. Why are you so lonely? You won't be lonely with me, sugar. You understand what I'm getting? That's gross, right? It's gross. That's what seduction looks like. That's what lies look like. That's why th- this plan A is pure. You go back to the Lord. You go back to your Father in heaven who comforts you and puts his arms on and says, I'm going to protect you. Plan B is a bunch of lies. Go to Ephesians 6.16. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Lies that lead to depression, dejection, all the the bad fruit of loneliness. Ephesians 6.16. Again, fiery dots from our enemies are intended to fracture our faith. Ephesians 6.16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can what? Extinguish. What is it that extinguishes all the flaming darts of the evil one? The shield of what? Faith. Do you see the fork? You see how this is coming together? Do you see it, my friends? You're at a fork. When you're lonely, you're at a fork in the road. The distinguishing feature is your faith. And what did the what did the apostles say when they knew they lacked faith? Lord, give us increase our faith. That was their what? Prayer. That's what you could, should pray for when you're lonely. When you're right on that cusp, oh man, plan B is looking really good right now. 
I know how it ends. I've been there about 150 times. It's called Dysfunction Junction. But man, it looks so good right now. In all circumstances, in some circumstances, in most circumstances, no. In all circumstances, is loneliness a circumstance, yes or no? I couldn't hear you. Yeah, thank you. Right? Of course it is. Yes. In loneliness, take up the shield of what? Faith. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, I love, you. I love some of you so much you can't eat. You don't even know. And I sit there and watch you people in loneliness, and it's freaking killing me. What's going on? Pick up the shield of faith. When you're lonely, you are vulnerable. Understand? And God's saying, I can use that. You need me. I'm the omnipotent one here. I'm the capable one here. You come back to me. I can use this in you. You come back to me. That's what I call a need. I place that in you to bring you back to me. Or, or you can be lied to. Or you can buy a lie. And in that moment, that critical point, as I used to call it back in the day, remember 10 years ago? That critical point of discernment. In that moment, in your weakness, you're led astray. As long as you keep the faith, you win. You win. You're a victor. In other words, don't allow your enemies to press you down just because you're experiencing feelings of loneliness. Don't let them take advantage of you. The next time you're feeling lonely, think of Jonah, Moses, John the Baptist, Paul, and most of all, Jesus. I know, I know this thinking about other people and even a message necessarily like this, I know that it doesn't take away the hurt. But the hurt is there for a reason. The hurt is there for a reason. It's simply a reminder of our own human frailty that we are merely vessels of mercy, wholly dependent on the grace of God for our sustenance, for our lives even. Please don't let your enemies wear you down. And if you see someone else, a brother or a sister, in the faith, who's suffering for a time, remind them that they are loved and pray for them. But don't try to fix them. 
Don't try to fix them. Don't even try. It's not your job to interfere with God's good labor. You can't fix anyone. And don't, please don't, if you're on the receiving end of that, don't take the bait. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to fix you either, except God alone. Don't put that on somebody else. They could be taking advantage of you, but that's a whole other message for another day. We are not saviors. God is. We have the privilege of being encouragers, though. Go to Hebrews 3.13, and then I'll close. Hebrews 3.13. We have the privilege of being encouragers. We're not saviors, but we can encourage. We don't fix people, but we can encourage them. We can pray for them. Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Encourage one another, in other words. Every day. You see? Every day. Sometimes, as a strategy, if I'm feeling particularly lonely for some reason, I do this. I say, why don't I just get away from this then for a moment and encourage someone else? Because it is today. It's always today, right? <laughs> right? And what does the Bible say? Encourage each other every day for as long as it's called what? Today. I guess we're supposed to encourage each other like all the time. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Remember, oh, remember that series, that deceitfulness of sin series? Ooh, it is so insidious when you're sitting there at that fork in the road. Ugh. 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 Verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Again, if you see a brother or sister in need, encourage them. Go to Galatians 6, 9, and then we'll close. Galatians 6, 9. And then we'll close. Galatians 6, verse 9. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word here this morning. Thank you for giving us truth that's meant to set us free, Father. Thank you for shining light out of darkness on the topic of loneliness, Father. Thank you for giving us those moments, and thank you for giving us the faith that brings us and leads us back to you. Father, we just pray for how this message abides in us, 
We pray that as we take it back home with us, we are encouraged to pray even more to you, Father, that we seek you even more than ever and even pray for others. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name by the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Thank you.